How can we make the world better? By making ourselves better. The Dr. Joe Show explores how you can make positive personal change by using his groundbreaking and highly effective I Am approach to understand who we are and why we do what we do. Your small changes can have big effects. Join us now for the Dr. Joe Show with Mark Stiles of Stiles Law and your host, Dr. Joe Schrand. Stretch the canvas, brush with madness. Is it sadness or just a show? Then go, 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 then go, go, go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dr. Joe Show. Ooh. You know, you're holding this longer and longer. At some point, we're not even going to have a show. I'm going to hold That's this for the entire, entire show. It's great. I think I've been cutting off um, Sophie early in the last few episodes. The Zoom, I think I I had a better cue when we were in the studio as because I had Ben who would actually point at me. Right, right. Um, so I think I've been going a lot earlier than I'm supposed to be going, so I figured I'd let her play out a little longer. I think it's great. At some point, we should play the whole song, folks. That, that's a song that I wrote called Van Gogh, and my daughter, Sophie, uh, sings it. And the introduction tonight, that voice was the voice of Brendan Mulhern, who is my son-in-law and is a remarkable actor, and I'm just so delighted. And at some point, we need to rechange, you know, redo our intro, because it's not my co-host, just Mark Stiles, but Tom McCoy is also my co-host. And All I'm... Right. And I'm just wondering, did you find anything? I mean, it's so hard to find anything on our guest, this guy Christopher Sarson. But let's let's hear. If you wouldn't mind introducing our guest, Thomas, please. known affectionately as the Zoom Papa, the producer right. of shows you might have heard of, Masterpiece Theater, Zoom, uh, Doctor Joe. That was a show in the '70s. It was uh, indeed. Honored guest on the Doctor Joe Show. These days, playing no small role himself in the art of mediation. Ladies and gentlemen, Christopher Sarson. Hey, hello, Christopher. Hello. The mediation that I do at the moment is between myself and my wife. Uh, that is indeed uh, a lot of work. <laughs> so you become the third party in your own dispute? No, I actually sit on two seats. <laughs> I am schizophrenic, as you'll find out uh, during the show. I'm also it. upside down because... I'm in New Zealand. You forgot to mention that, uh, Thomas. That uh, makes a difference. Yes. So your voice is upside down, so people can guess. That's it right. Sister for Carson. So, um, so what time is it there, and what day is it in New Zealand right now, Christopher? It's just about lunchtime, and I'm having sausages and eggs, mm -hmm. and uh, I shall leave you in a couple of minutes to uh, uh, go and have my sausages and eggs. It's lunchtime. It's midday. It's Thursday, Friday. Friday. It's Friday. Yeah, all yeah, days are there. And I, I just want to point out that New Zealand, your prime minister, has done such an incredible job in containing COVID. Can you just give us a couple of moments about that? She is absolutely extraordinary because her way of governing is by empathy. Mm. And she... Well, when we went from level three to level two or whatever it was, she said, she opened her speech by saying, thanks to the five million assistants that I've had on this project. 
That is just... The population no. of New Zealand is 5 million, right? So, so they all felt good. Oh, Do you know what she, insti she instituted uh, a couple of days ago? She said, we've all got to practice wearing masks and uh, practicing social distancing and that kind of thing. And I'm going to put government... Um, um, uh, things on the um, radio because I want us to be prepared if it comes in again I don't want us to have to start from scratch mm. I want, to, want us all to get our masks out and put them on and do social distancing which we all know about yeah. we've also started an extraordinary um, app which you don't have to have, but it's a good one. It uh, automatically um, syncs up with other people who are wearing the same app and records it so that if you do get um, the disease, you don't have to uh, do anything other than show your app to the doctor who can then trace Yes. the people you've been in touch with for the last, uh, whatever it is, week, month. Yeah. And She's this, extraordinary. This, She's this an extraordinary woman. woman. And just so, so folks understand my relationship with Christopher, Christopher is our Zoom papa. Christopher was the executive producer and the creator and inventor of Zoom, <laughs> a TV show back in the 1970s. For those of you on Facebook Live, that is me back there. I'm Joe from Zoom, 1972. So I have known Christopher a little more than 50 years because we really started the pilot in 71, right? Right. We, we had our audition sometime over the summer or fall of 71. Yep. So amazing, amazing. So what I wanted to talk about tonight is, is mediation um, because it's, it's such a critical part, really, of what we do on a daily basis, whether people realize it or not. We are always, in some ways, you know, negotiating with each other. But mediation takes on another role. And the reason I, I wanted to talk about it was because my co-host, Mark Stiles, is taking a course in it right now. And my dear Zoom Papa has been doing mediation, was doing it in Colorado, right, uh, yeah. for a long time. So I figured... Let's bring them both together and hear about what's going on now, what was going on before, why you're both interested in it. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just hand it over to Mark first just to talk a little bit about what you're doing, and then we'll chat with Christopher too. So, Mark, what's going on? So, thank you, Dr. Joe. Zoom, Papa, how did you go from Masterpiece Theater, Zoom, award-winning TV producer to saying... I want to bring peace to a room. In 1975, I left WGBH and for the next 20 years was doing independent productions. And I had a wonderful time. I did a program um, about the Smithsonian with Gene Kelly. I uh, did lots of concerts with uh, uh, you know, Leonard Bernstein and famous people and all that. So after I got my fill of that, somebody uh, said, somebody in Boulder said, um, why don't you um, 
do a program for me on mediation and what mediation does. I said, I know nothing about mediation, uh, but I'd like to find out if I'm going to do the program. So they said, go on a training. So I went on uh, our program. It's the same bit, basically the same in, uh, um, in, uh, yeah. No, you guys are in Massachusetts, aren't you? It may be different, but anyway, it's a, uh, it's a 40-hour course. And fell in love with the process and realized that, as Joe said, I'd been doing it for the last 40 years in television, negotiating with the cast and the crew and the network and the station and the viewers and the funders. You know, you've got to get all these people into the same boat before you can do a television program. And um, as Joe also said, it is different, and it's significantly different, and I think wonderfully different. And uh, do you want me to describe what it is, or yes, not? That'd be great. Please do. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll describe what it is. Mark, you interrupt if I say anything that's different from what you do. And Joe, I want you to um, name things that are identical with I am, because so much of um, mediation is to do with uh, the I am that, uh, that you invented and you started and, and all that kind of thing. Um, the best thing about mediation, about mediation is that the participants are volunteers. They don't have to mediate. What were you, what were you, what was, what was the typical mediation that you were bringing peace to, to resolve? What was the... Well, there are different kinds of mediation. And I specialized in family mediation. I specialized in, uh, uh, because the biggest group of mediators, believe it or not, is employed by the post office. And the post office has thousands of mediators in all their offices. They must have more trouble than uh, the rest of the world, but they get them resolved through, uh, through mediation. It's used to, um, uh, well, the, one of the best mediators his name has just escaped me, but uh, he was the guy that did the um, uh, Northern Ireland, Southern Ireland, uh, what was his name? Uh, Tom somebody or other. But anyway, he mediated that together. And if you want a, a story about mediation, read his book, because it is just brilliant the way he says that uh, he was a bit despondent because he didn't think there was going to be uh, any... Uh, this was the 15th time they'd got together. Didn't think there was going to be any resolution. And he went to his room and he was sort of sitting there uh, crying and, and uh, doing what mediators do when they don't think uh, there's, there's going to be a resolution. And there was a knock on the door and the two principals came in and said, we talked among ourselves and we've resolved it. And you know, a mediator can't think of anything uh, of anything better. It's really good book. Why the hell can't I remember his name? Um, so what is mediation? Mediation is the settlement of people who have disputes. Or oh, we hope it's the settlement. The first point about it is that it's uh, um, voluntary. So if you don't want to mediate, you don't mediate. And if the other party wants to mediate and you don't want to mediate, tough luck, don't mediate. 
So the first thing is it's mediate. Second thing is it follows a pattern. Five steps, is that what you'd learn, Mark? Um, yes. Anyway, I'll yes. tell you the five steps I learned. The first is to get together. The second is to hear one side, and that's vital. You've got to hear what one side has to say. You're supposed to put your hand up, Joe, because that's part of I am too. That is, right? listening. Yeah, listening. The it's, I see domain. How do I see? So how do other people see me? Great. Okay. Right. The third thing is that we listen to the other side, and uh, that's vital. And it's important to have those two things stressed so that people know that they're going to be heard and also that the other person is going to be heard. The fourth thing is to uh, negotiate, to see if there's common ground between the two sides and that kind of thing. And the fifth is to write down a, 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 a settlement, to write down a, a mediation. So that's the, uh, that's the kind of outline of it. But you look uh, pregnant. And of, course, and of course, that those five steps can be applied in any conversation that you have, whether you are at home with yep. your kids, with your spouse, with your siblings, whether you're at work with a coworker, just think about it. You, you, you're both sitting down agreeing that you want to talk, you listen, you listen again, and then you begin coming up with some negotiation that you plan and agree. And these small changes can have big effects. Remember, small changes have big effects. You control no one, you influence everyone. This is influencing. As soon as you listen, you're influencing someone else. Isn't that mind blowing? We always thought that influencing was just talking, listening. This was part of what Angela Callahan told us last week as well. Listen, listen first. Sorry, I'm listening, Christopher. No, it's it's good that you say that. And it's kind of in even more uh, good, even better, if you can uh, frame it that way in the family. Because if there's a structure that the family is doing, uh, they may sort of get, oh, we're mediating again, you know, but at least it's in their head and they know they're going to go through the five steps and, uh, and that kind of thing. It's so, uh, so it's good. How many different sessions would it take typically in an average uh, marriage termination? Wait, 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 wait. Is it a termination? Is it always a termination, Christopher? Determination? It, it, termination, right? Did you oh, say termination? No, 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 no. Um, well, l let me let me tell you a bit more okay. uh, on my style because uh, uh, we talk about mediation in the post office. We talk about mediation uh, in families. We talk about mediation uh, both at work and in play and that kind of thing. Um, one of the most interesting uh, mediations that uh, I was involved with was with a, a group of um, street artists who would come out into the public area in Boulder, Colorado, and uh, do their stuff. And people would gather around and cheer them and maybe give them money and that kind of thing. Preachers got wind of this and thought, ha-ha, we've got an audience here. So they stood at the end edge of the crowd and began preaching to them as the um, uh, street artists were finishing. 
and this caused chaos. And there was a magic moment where one of the street artists went up to the preacher and punched him. And so then it went to court and they said, mediation. And it was a fascinating mediation in which the ministers got there half an hour early so that they could uh, uh, preach to the people as they came in. And that didn't go down very well. But anyway, that was something that these city mediators got uh, uh, got resolved. Um, the What I specialized in was family mediation and that was not the um not the divorce itself but post divorce what happened to the children and that's vitally important because the i don't know how many of you are divorced but the number of excuses that families that mother can come up with why the kids shouldn't do what daddy says and vice versa, is phenomenal. And one of my favorite cases uh, involved um, poor little Joe, who was, uh, it was Joe too, uh, Joe who was 12 years old and wanted to play soccer. And he had a choice. He could do school, school soccer for $75, or he could, and that lasted for the Michaelmas term, or he could um, pay $125 and do little league soccer, which lasted the whole school year. And mummy said he should do that because that would uh, um, sort of fulfill him more. And daddy said, no, we can't afford it. We can only afford $75 for, uh, um, uh, for the first kite type of mediation. Um, Fascinating that he was the guy uh, who didn't pay his bills. And his, in fact, his wife took him to court because he hadn't paid a $9,000 bill. The judge looked at his tax return from the previous year and said, $5,000 for an engagement ring, a holiday in um, Hawaii, that's where he'd taken his new wife after he'd uh, married them. He said, Sheriff, take this man to jail. And when he's got the $9,000, uh, let him out. Guess what? He found that $9,000 within 48 hours. Anyway, um, you know, there are different uh, uh, different remedies that uh, uh, judges can do if they're, if they're asked. So let me, let, me, let me ask you a question of the cases. So, so most of the cases that you mediated were after the divorce and, the, and it wasn't really working whatever was agreed upon, or was it that they went to a judge and then the judge told them how their divorce was going to go down and then you had to mediate what was In, left? Um, you can do one of two things. You can certainly ease a couple through divorce. And that's a good thing to do, and it's an easy thing to do. You know the forms, you know the way they have to be filled out. And so you're a kind of transitional, um, uh, dealing with the transition of, uh, of divorce. Um, after the divorce, it's what happens to the children and the disagreements that parents have about what should happen to the children. And it's astonishing what those disagreements are, but... Um, that's the way life is. Yeah, but if, if they talk about it before, right, when they have the open dialogue and they mediate through and they 
have all the open-ended questions and visualize this. Let's go five years out here. Well, what happens if this? And they kind of exhaust all of those different variations of, of what could possibly happen. Wouldn't they be less likely to need further mediation down the road? It's hard to tell. I mean, if they really do agree and they agree from the, with their hearts, then maybe that's true. Uh, the likelihood is when they get into the actual situation, all the previous uh, goodwill evaporates. And uh, the, the parents don't do it to hurt the kids. They don't disagree to hurt the kids. They, uh, they, they do it to hurt the other partner that they've divorced. And that is, unfortunately, um, the way life is in uh, mediation in family cases. They weaponize the child. Uh, yeah. Whether they whether they mean to hurt the child or not, and and I I I can tell you this from my own personal experience. My my parents got divorced, and I know how difficult it was to navigate between the anger my parents had towards each other. Uh, it's just the way it is. It, it certainly, is, you know, doesn't need to be that way. But in, in these cases, unfortunately, that's still an I am. You know, and what you can do is step back and go, okay, so what, what has happened here that you're so angry with each other that you don't want your husband to see your son, you don't want your wife just to, to be able to spend time with her daughter is is that part of what you can do in a mediation is asking yes and, and you can go a step further than that and invite them to do something they haven't done before uh, a lovely case of a um, mother uh, who had the baby out of wedlock and daddy wasn't interested in knowing anything about the baby until he was born. The moment he was born, he wanted to be with the child 24 hours a day. And mum got sick of this now stranger coming in to uh, look after uh, or to uh, um, see the child. And she was really, really, really frustrated uh, by this. And good old mediator said, have you asked him why he wants to do this? No. She said, why the heck would you want to ask him, ask him why? Ask him. And right then and there, she looked across the table and said, why do you want to see the baby? And tears came to his eyes. And he said, that baby is the best thing that I've ever done in my life. And I want to go to bed with the look of that child in my eyes mm -hmm. and then the woman burst into tears because she had no idea she was still fond of this guy and she had no idea that he had feelings like that that's one of the most successful things that mediators can do is to bring the couple together if they haven't uh, been there if they haven't thought of uh, of uh, of what to do so so what a, what a a gift that you have given them then, Christian. Yes. You know, and and it's, I, I mean, for me as a psychiatrist, let me just say that it is the greatest honor and privilege to work with people in their time of need. 
It's just remarkable. Uh, and there is something so fulfilling about that. I mean, talk about oxytocin. I mean, what was that experience like for you, Christopher, where you're, you're the one asking a question, you're in the middle, and all of a sudden you create this unity? How did you feel about that? I'm incredibly moved. And being me, I, I say, you know, this doesn't often happen in mediation, but it's incredibly moving and it's a chance for you to, uh, uh, you know, think of what you want to do. And they didn't actually get back together again, but they found out, uh, they, they uh, formulated a very good um, pattern for seeing the kid uh, and it wasn't as imposing on mummy and uh, and that kind of thing but uh, it'd be fascinating to, to get a follow-up on how that child is doing you know we may never know but it would be really interesting how that goes. i have a theory i have a theory about why those scars are so deep and that why they want to hurt each other post-divorce and i my theory is that it's it's the the shock and awe of the actual divorce, of the um, both lining up with their lawyers, filing a complaint, being served, having discovery, depositions, and just hurt, 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 and long, drawn out. Why is this taking so long? orders from the court now you're on their docket system now you have to go to the courthouse you have to go to the courthouse and into the court and into the hallway through the security and hate starts to build and it doesn't have to be like that when two consenting adults decide like this isn't working like it doesn't have to go nuclear it can be terminated in a way that three years from now they're standing side by side at the fifth grade graduation eighth grade graduation high school graduation together proud as partners that brought you know success to that child but when they go through this battle zone which you know for whatever reason you know some you know, this is this is the the struggle that I've had as as an attorney, watching how it actually happens to people, and the attorneys who are, you know, the the, you know, the the participants in it, billing these people and and creating sometimes emotional things that don't need to happen, and the scars and the wounds get so deep that you can't unring those bells and and it just continues in this perpetual pattern of hate that if they were proactive and got in that room and said why why are we doing this and then they understand it and then they work through it then their voice is heard and they are it's a much more peaceful existence. Well, one of the ways they can avoid it is by doing it with a mediator, because if you get a divorce with a mediator instead of with a, with a lawyer, 
you don't have to go to court at all. You can just go to the mediator's office and do all the paperwork and blah, 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 and all that kind of thing, and then take it to the judge and the papers are signed and, and that's it. Um, I'm sure you've been told this. I'm not saying this frivolously. I'm sure you've been told this in the training, but the most difficult uh, class of people who become mediators are lawyers because they want to be lawyers when they're at the mediation table. And lawyers are great people. You know, they tell people what to do in exactly the right way and hopefully get the results and that's it. Thank you, $200. And, you know, that's, um, that's it. And it's very, very, very difficult to, um, uh, to avoid that. One of the ways that uh, I experienced this was by, after I'd finished um, my training, I co-mediated with people, some of whom were lawyers and some of whom weren't. That's a great thing to do because you're mediating with someone with experience to begin with until you become uh, experienced and somebody's mediating uh, with you. And I strongly recommend that as a way of learning. So, so, um, so let me ask, Crisper, and then you, Mark, what was that a struggle for you because as a producer a director uh, your role was to tell people what to do and to direct them was there a learning curve for you about being a mediator where you're 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 listening and you're not doing the direction but but creating that um that cooperative mode i'm not sure it's a learning curve because you never ever learn and then can say it's finished mm. um you've you've got to have an attitude where uh you let the people talk and uh i don't find that difficult uh, you may think i do but <laughs> <laughs> no i don't i don't feel that i don't find that difficult um, um, so it wasn't because this is part of what we were talking about on our on our walk the other day is yeah what is this like for a lawyer who who is used to saying, okay, we're going to do this, do this, do this. What's your right? It, it's, a, it's a great question um, because the 12 people that I'm doing this training with, every one of us are lawyers. Some of them are coming out of the family law litigious practice. Some of them are new attorneys. And it, it's, it's funny to watch because, um, you know, we have to role play as part of the training. And some of the folks will be like, Okay, I'll hear from you now, Thomas. And you know, and I'm I'm one of the you know the evaluators, and I'm like, I have to let you know that you're being a judge. Like this, this yep. isn't. So we're unwashing what we were, what we were taught in law school, of you know the formality of it, and it, I'll take it to here and here, and it's it it broke down a lot of the the people. I never really litigated, so I really. I'm not a courtroom person. I've always been transactional, but I was a solution-based attorney. So, all right, I got it. I figured, give me the information. I, okay, here's the answer. And that was really challenging for me because you just have to sit back and ask these really open-ended questions to get them talking because the ultimate goal is to get them talking to each other and just sit back. And I would say talking with each other. Right. Just yes. to each other. Right. With each other. And, and Mark, you, you are, are developing a technique that you were telling me about the other day. You're opening. 
Yeah. So it's, it's, um, it's something that I do in a lot of the networking groups and some of the um, team building uh, meetings that we have in my office is I like to start meetings off with something positive, no matter how it's going, give me something new and positive. Tell me something that's happened since the last time we met that gave you a spark, gave you an oxytocin uh, rush. And it doesn't have to be about work or what have you. And, and I was starting to utilize that in my role plays. So they'd say, okay, let's get started. You know, Christopher and Thomas, I know it's been a week since we've been together. Christopher, give me something positive. Tell me something that, you know, made you feel really good. And I've been get, I got a little bit of a, I got a lot of constructive feedback on it because a lot of the trained, um, you know, professors, instructors, if you will, are kind of like, that might not work all the time, but yet they all, they also say, but if it's, if you have a style set and you have, you know, manage those expectations up front and that they know that they're going to have to kind of be prepared with something positive, it could really work. And I'm definitely going to do it until, um, you know, someone punches me in the face because I think it really starts the meeting off on a positive because they get that oxytocin rush. Like they said something, you know, Johnny made the travel baseball team. That's really exciting. And boom, something really positive, but it most often people aren't going to, they're going to do a shared experience, right? So they're going to, you know, I got, I'm at work, at work, I, I got a raise. Okay. That's, that's awesome. But typically they're in that room together. They're going to say something positive that is jointly positive and it starts the meeting off on a really good foot and it's funny because every one of the role plays i did i did it regardless of the criticism that i was getting and so and uh only one of the participants kind of gave me nothing this damn pandemic you know i you know and, and they were good because you got to work it right you got to play the part and we had the actors and i was tough on a few of them and really easy for some of them but um it's been eye-opening. It's been a lot of fun, and I'm looking. I'm looking forward to helping some people come to peaceful resolutions with their disputes. One of the great things, though, that you're doing that uh, in, this is Moscow. Um, one of the great things that you're doing with that is also getting a feel of the people who are doing it, because if they do it, that says one thing about them, and if they resist, that says another thing, which gives you a way of finding out how to uh, um, make it easier for you to get other stuff out of them. No, it's a really good technique. I, I did that too. And it's, it's, uh, it's really, luckily, I never had to work with uh, 12 lawyers. How great does it feel when you get them to say, you know what, I'm not super happy about this, but I'm equally unhappy as they are. And I could live with this and this is going to be great. Let, show me where to sign. How great does that feel? I don't remember mediations coming to an end like that. I really don't. Um, and I think, I think the reason that I, I hedged from going ahead if they said something like that is that that tends to make me think that their heart isn't in it mm. if they preface it with, uh, with that. Um, I need a little more 
uh, from here, sorry, from here, until uh, before I am happy for them to make declarations for, in the future. So how um, did you know? I may have done, I don't know. So how did you know? When, when, when did it show true through their heart that they were ready? It's individual. It's completely individual. Um, it, it's in them committing to do something and then doing it for a week or two. Um, we never had um, one session um, mediations. They always uh, were two or three and they're always uh, a week apart. And um, and what would you do when they when they did get angry and contentious with each other? How how would you redirect that? Well, I wouldn't redirect it if they really wanted to uh, yell and shout and that kind of thing. That was uh, uh, time for one of them to go to a different room mm. while we talked with the, the other one, and then went and talked to uh, to the first one. That's that's how we dealt with it. So it was just separate. Uh, it worked. It worked pretty well. Yeah. Um, at that point, they're limbic and they're they're not using their prefrontal cortex. You know, they're they're more right. emotional. I mean, if you get to that point, um, but but surely that that happened where people were just so angry with each other that that they couldn't stay in the same room. That would happen. Well, they went into different rooms. Yes, yeah. right. So so the reason I'm, I'm bringing this part up is because we are living in a world right now where there's a lot of anger, um, and and I think. Part of, of why I was really intrigued by talking about mediation is there may be an opportunity for people to understand what these five steps are so that we can begin really structuring the conversations that need to happen. There's a lot of stuff here in the States right now. You know, we've got things going on with with race and 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 the the contentious aspect and it's time for us to listen so that we can then do some talking not it's not about just negotiating it's about really being able to listen and if that's the first couple of steps of mediation is there a way to train people to listen that was the primary focus on our training how is that, Mark? It was the act of listening. Active you know? listening. Yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, the acronym uh, that they used on one of them is wait. You know, why am I talking? Mm. Why am I talking? You know, and that's hard for the lawyers, right? Because the lawyers want to, okay, let me let me get this right. Okay, so this and then this and then you speak. But it's just sit back, listen. And try to read, you know, and they, they were talking a lot about how Zoom has has made it much more challenging because there's a lot of body language that goes into listening, right? So, so what I heard you say, Mark, is that in Zoom, body language has a lot of uh, say in what people are hearing. Um, can you explain that to me a little better? That's one of the so techniques. Right. What I just did ah, is one of the techniques. What? That was fantastic, Christopher, the way you demonstrated that technique. I love that. 
<laughs> well, that's what mediators do. Right. Anyway, no, that's... Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm sure you've picked up a lot of stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Feeding uh, back what you've just heard is really good. Right. And, and, and also asking the partner, asking the ex-partner to feed back what the person has just said. Um, right. Okay, what did, what did Tom say? What, what did you hear Tom say? Right. Well, and, how do you feel uh, about what Tom just said? Oh, that's another whole thing. But yes, you're right. <laughs> but, but for those folks who are listening to this, this is one of the simplest techniques that you can use. Right. Yeah. If you reflect back to the person, wait, were you just saying that you thought I was doing this? Were you just saying that you thought I was, and you get the clarification. And that is communication. It does two things. The first is it shows the other person that you've been listening. But the other thing it does is ask the other person to see whether your interpretation is correct. Right, right. And so I, I, I'll, I'll be honest, folks. I used to do this with my mother, who would say, and, and, and Christopher knows my I mother. I can understand that, yes. Right? And I would say to her, wait, are you saying that, that I was being disrespectful? Are you saying, and, and she, would, she would have to reflect, go, well, no. I said, well, well then, okay, so then what, what, are you, what are you saying to me? Kids, if you're out there and you want to have a technique so that you and your parents can communicate, parents, if you're out there and you want a technique, you clarify. You say to the person, are you, are you saying this? This is mediation at its best because you have to do this without a Mark Stiles in the room, without a Christopher Sarson in the room. You're going to be at home. And right now with COVID, in the United States, you're at home perhaps more than ever. And there may be tension at home. And there may be things that, that are said limbically, impulsively. It's still an I am. Remember, the I am is saying we're always doing the best we can, but if you don't like it, you can change it. So in terms of where we are right now in the world, mediation may be one of the most important solutions that we have to move forward as a community. It really is. It is about listening. And every time you listen to somebody else, what you're really expressing, what you're communicating, is that they're valuable. Because yeah. you're giving your gift of time. You are giving your gift of time to listen to what somebody else is saying. I remember one of, one of my favorite patients ever, who was brilliant, but really so psychotic, he would say to me at the end of every session, thank you, thank you for your increments of chronology, which was thank you for your time. Thank you for your increments of chronology. I just, I'll never forget, it was just wonderful. So we, we got a couple of minutes left. Christopher, you know the I am, you know the two rules. Small changes have big effects. So the first rule, small change and bigger effects, what small change can you recommend to our listening audience so that they can improve their own perhaps intuitive skills of mediating? Well, we've talked about it, and we've talked about it a lot in the show, and it's a six-letter word, listen. That's it. Yeah. Listen. 
don't talk. I'm going to talk to you. Let's go and talk uh, in another... No, let's go and listen in another room. Love it, love it. And the second rule, you control no one, you influence everyone. Christopher, you have done so many, so many things in your life, so much influential things. What kind of influence are you hoping you will be on our listening audience? I don't look at it like that. I, uh, I mean... But you do. I, influence everyone. You are an influence. We all are. What? No, I don't look at it in terms of what do I expect people in the audience to come up with. What I um, hope is that something that either Mark or you or I have said um, sort of rings a bell with them. And they say, hey, yeah, I'd like to try that and sort of open the door to something that they haven't tried before because that's what makes life exciting, isn't it? All right. Folks, we will be back next week with some very interesting books about evolutionary psychology and COVID. We'll see you next week. Christopher, thanks so much for being here all the way from here. You're welcome. Nice to meet you, Mark. Nice to see you. Bye, folks. See you.